Hey everyone, I'm Father Alexander Har. And I'm Father David Marshall. And this is A Bridge Between, where we bridge the gap between our knowledge of the gospel, we bridge the distance between two clergy, and what else are we bridging today? Uh, well, we're friends and clergy, um, mm -hmm. and we are bridging um, what it means for Jesus to repeat the worst thing you've ever said. What might that be like? Well, I don't ever want to know what that's like, because um, that's a frightening proposition, because even though we try and we try to be good people, we've probably all said some very bad things to people who we may think they've deserved it, but it still doesn't make it right. Right, absolutely. Um, a camp counselor I had said that he was, uh, first accident he was ever in, he rear-ended somebody and he realized the last word he said was the swear word that begins with S. And he thought after the accident, what if that was the last word I ever said on earth? And what if that was the first word that Jesus said when I showed up? And he was like, I felt worse about that than I did about the accident. Um, so, you know, what if? Well, I think our, our language matters, and Jesus is going to demonstrate that today, not just in the first part of the gospel where he talks about it's not what comes into the body, but what goes out of the body that um, that defiles, meaning it's not the, the things that we eat, these dietary laws that we're, we might be so worried about, but in fact, the, the sins that we commit, especially with the tongue, um, the words that we know hurt. Uh, and the thing is, we really do hurt and sting the people who are closest to us. We do. Because we know all their vulnerable spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And it's really hard to offend your enemy. They're your enemy, right? Right. Uh, so, but somebody that you love, um, it's entirely different. It's much it's easier. Also, yeah. And speaking of enemies, it's also um, part of human nature to say, not I, but them. If not for them, or those people are like this, and you know, it, it's so easy for us to use uh, this type of us versus them language and to have us float upward and them float downward. Um, but that isn't what Jesus was trying to get us to do. Uh, Jesus was attempting for us to humble ourselves and to exalt, exalt God, exalt others. Um, and so we're going to hear a story about that today. And I, and I think you're on tap to read it. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about this story, this is the story of the woman who comes and approaches Jesus. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And this is a woman who you and I have talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, that her and Jesus do not come from the same world. Um, she is a Canaanite woman. Obviously, she's not Jewish. These are groups that have been at odds with each other. They do not think highly of each other. They probably have some very bad names for each other at this time period. Yeah. And jokes, right? Right. And yeah. um, now for this woman to approach Jesus and ask for help is a real humbling moment. And the way that Jesus handles this interaction speaks a great deal about him. But I think it also speaks a great deal about how we are supposed to approach Jesus as, as well. And mm -hmm. so this is coming uh, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, and it's verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. 
And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Here endeth the lesson. Yay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, this is one of those misunderstood readings where mm -hmm. uh, people think Jesus is being cranky or Jesus doesn't understand that his message goes to the Gentiles or uh, Jesus doesn't like this person. Jesus doesn't like women. I mean, I've heard it all and they're all wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, uh, OK, I'll be more Anglican. There's another way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it this way, perhaps? Perhaps have you considered I'm going to be a little more forceful. You know, the older I get, the less patience I have with this stuff. It, it's I'm I'm on a disturbing trend, by the way. I, I'm worried about that. That's going to be a whole separate podcast. But that I used to have a lot more patience with people who said things like Jesus didn't understand this or Jesus meant that, and I'm like, really? Because that doesn't match with anything else about his ministry. So this one little story, anyway. So off of my soapbox, I go. Um, how do you tend to read this passage? Um, at first glance, Jesus appears to be uh, dismissive. He appears to be harsh, condescending. I mean, these are kind of the first blushes that you get if you take kind of the thousand-foot view looking down. Um, mm -hmm. When we, we begin to look at the text and start to read it in its context, read it mm -hmm. in the context of what Jesus was talking about before this particular gospel passage, and right. the relationship between the Canaanites and the Jews, we mm -hmm. begin to see that there's a, there's a, a, a different type of dynamic here that's, that's taking place. And um, we talked a little bit about this before, that the woman who is approaching Jesus probably heard about Jesus and said, well, listen, if this guy can maybe cast out a demon, maybe he can do it for my daughter. That doesn't mean that she had faith. That just means that she heard somebody could help her. Mm -hmm. So when she approaches Jesus and says, Lord, son of David, she's using the title that would be appropriate for Jesus. But does that necessarily denote that she believed? So when Jesus kind of really kind of tests her out a little bit in this exchange, and the disciples immediately want to dismiss her, but Jesus continues the conversation, allowing her to keep talking when she humbles herself and begins to engage Jesus as Lord, then the dynamic changes. And I think that is, for me, the big part in the story. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give a little different interpretation of this. Mm -hmm. um, and that is that um, I think that in her heart or in things that she had said, she had said harsh words to the people or the lost sheep of mm -hmm. Israel. Um, she would, and again, there are some references that would indicate people in this region yeah. um, saw the people, the Judean people, um, as someone that was a lower class, sometimes refer to them as dogs. And Jesus knew all this. And for her to then take accountability 
for the words that she said, he first didn't say anything. Um, and then she said, um, then finally he said, I was here to, for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, uh, as a way to engage with her about, you remember all those things you said about the house of Israel? And this is what I'm here for. And then, um, when he said that, um, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. I think he was taking her words and displaying them back to her. Um, and then in her humility, she understood that she embraced it. She kneeled in front of him and she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, that she, uh, humbled herself down to, uh, to the very insult that she had been relaying upon others. Uh, and then the crumbs thing is to indicate, uh, the way that I've read one person reads this is that it is so like for a crumb to fall from a master's table is nothing to the master and that Jesus's power is so great that what she is asking is like a crumb falling from the table. It's really nothing. This is so easy. And with all of that, he said, great is your faith. Um, it's hard to, it's, it's painful or scary to think of Jesus repeating the words that we've said harshly about somebody else. Uh, but imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, how great is your faith? I mean, that, wow, that, that would be awesome. Um, and, and the, and the then, part of the thing that, that needs to be emphasized when we talk about the language Jesus uses, and I'm going to be the Greek geek here for a moment, is that the word that Jesus uses for dog is not mongrel, which would be the, you know, the, calling somebody disgusting dog. He, he uses a play on words as almost of referring to a family pet. And, and yes. I think this is important because Jesus loves to play on words. And the observation that I had about this is I, come, I came from it from the perspective of a parent. And that is, if you are a parent or if you have somebody in your life that you love and are caring for, maybe you're caring for a parent even or a, a sibling or something, and you see them in pain, you see them in hurt, and somebody tells you there's a cure over here or there's a cure <laughs> over there somewhere, you're going. You know, because you are now desperate. And I mm -hmm. think what touched part of this woman was her desperation. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, one of the lines I've been kind of dancing in my mind in my sermon preparation this week is that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, these, you know, great inventions come out of great need. Mm -hmm. Well, great faith, I believe, comes out of great desperation. Yes. You know, if we're not desperate for, for Jesus, then how great truly is our, our faith? And uh, we also uh, want to take this back to the Book of Common Prayer. And uh, you and I were sharing a little bit about this uh, yesterday, that there is a prayer that's found in the Episcopal Church's 79 Book of Common Prayer during the Rite One uh, service, that traditional language. It looks uh, like this. It looks it has a cross. Like that. You right, know, it can have a, nice. it can have a black cover too. Don't worry. Uh, and the the prayer is one that was put in there long ago by Thomas Cranmer, and I'd like to share that prayer. We do not presume to come to this thy table, the Eucharistic, the Holy Communion table. O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. 
We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Ah, I think he may have heard this story. But thou yeah. art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Amen and I'll leave. You know, and that's what um, I, I love in that prayer is that we are not permitted to come to church, to approach the altar, to approach the table, believing that we're worthy, that we are entitled. And I think we live in a very entitled world right now. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, the Hebrew uh, form of the word righteous is uh, what we would call forgiving or generosity. Mm -hmm. um, so don't believe in your own generosity. Believe in the generosity of God. Right. Uh, how much God has given to you, how much God has blessed you. So don't come in thinking about all the things you've done for other people. Uh, think about all the things that God has done for you and what others have done for you. That that's that's the humble heart. Um, and that is, um, as you were mentioning, Cranmer, I think inspired by uh, this story or the one from uh, from Mark. Uh, yeah, that that's it, it's it's a beautiful way to uh, to approach the altar um, and to reset our minds. It is a natural thing. We are proud and prideful people. Um, to think of the things that we've done for others and to think better of ourselves and to fall into the trap of saying others are this, others are dogs, others are that, uh, and certainly we're not that. Uh, that prayer is just one of those uh, wake-up alarms that says, are you trusting in your own righteousness or are you going to trust in how much God has given you? Well, and I think... Um... It comes back to the question that I was saying about this woman. How desperate are you for God? How, how desperate are you um, for God? So for those of you who watch this uh, podcast and may go to your local Episcopal church and receive communion, think about this discussion before you go to church, before you go to communion, and, and perhaps ask, what preparations am I making internally, spiritually, to participate in this miracle? Because I believe mm -hmm. it is a miracle yes. uh, to, to participate in this sacrament. And when I receive it, am I doing it with gratitude, with reverence, with, um, with joy? Um, so I spend a lot of time uh, talking about that when it comes to communion because I've, I've joked that there are times when I, I see people receiving communion and the there's a difference between reverence and despair. <laughs> I'm like, you can smile reverently, but there's sometimes I've seen people that I've been giving communion to and they look like I'm giving them something terrible. Oh. And, and I say like, you know, and I, then I ask myself, well, what face are you putting out there? Do you have joy in your face exuding from your heart as you share this sacrament? Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror, Alex. Oh, yeah. You know, that's why they make the plate shiny, so we can see ourselves. Yes, that's why I let it go dull, and I never polish it, so I don't have to look in the mirror. <laughs> right. That's why I pile all sorts of stuff up on it. Uh, you know the Japanese U-mirror, uh, that you stand in front of the U-mirror before you go, and you ask yourself all these questions about you? Uh, mm -hmm. And one of them, a lot of them, have to do with humility um, and, and, and your place in society. And um, that, yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating. And that's um, how the Eucharist can reflect that. Um, the, the Holy Communion can reflect back to that. 
um, for our brothers and sisters in Lutheran tradition, uh, Roman Catholic, all the other traditions. You too can also ponder this before going to well, receive. Yes. Um, yes. And for those that your church is going out um, to the wilderness to go bird watching and you listen to us, um, imagine your place in the world as well um, as you are enjoying nature and as you're out on your walk, um, that how much God has given you. And then do that on Saturday so that you can then go to church on Sunday. Or, <laughs> yes. Or go to a church that does it on Saturday and then out on Sunday, but yes. Well, actually, in our parish here, because we have these beautiful windows that, you know, come across almost the whole nave, you can come for communion and be looking out the window, looking at all the wonderful birds in the garden. So it's a both hand. It, it really is. Um, we too, we don't, we have a stained glass window, that's it. The rest are clear. Uh, and they've, and the main windows face east. So, um, and one day at eight o'clock in the morning, as the sun was rising, it was just one of those gorgeous sunrises hitting the window. You can see the oak trees. It's just awesome. And um, I was looking at it. Everybody else was looking at it. And somebody, it's, it's, it's a small, it was like 20 of us. And so the guy in the front said, you're going to try to preach over that? And I said, no, just with it. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. just enjoy. Yeah. I'm not and, going to be able to go above that. No. And and that's why I, I, I look at examples like this woman from the Canaanite woman. And mm -hmm. it's like, you, you can't preach a better sermon than the desperate faith that she exhibited and then what Jesus rewarded her with. Great is your faith. Go. It's going to be okay. Your daughter's going to be okay. Instantly. Adverb. It's an instantly. Exactly. It's done as you speak. It's, um, yeah, because it was a crumb falling from his table. It was something that easy. Well. Yeah. So next time you get a small piece of communion instead of one of the big ones, don't worry. It's all it all it's all effectuous. Right. Um, and you have shared with me once that you don't believe in reincarnation, but if you did, you'd want to come back as one of your dogs. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> my dogs are I think the best cared for people in my family. <laughs> nice. But you don't have to put them through college. So And no, you know. no. I, I mean I didn't even put them through doggy school. I mean I saved no. a bunch on tuition. So Right. Right. So and my, um, my cats don't have to worry about honors English. I mean, you know, it's it's all good, you know. Exactly. <laughs> well, we are now we are now beginning our our descent into what what can be a whole other podcast episode. So, I just want to say, Dave, that I'm I'm thankful for the time that um, you and I have together because I feel that it is those crumbs um, that we share together uh, that increase my faith. I feel like when we get together and we talk about the gospel. It's like you have brought a small piece of bread and you said, I'm going to split this piece of bread with you and we're going to eat together. Nice. I don't think I can, I have ever disagreed with you more about this. Uh, when uh -oh. I sit down with you, this is a Thanksgiving feast, man. You pull oh, out okay. everything and I'm just eating till I'm stuffed. Um, and well, so I was trying to help us lose some weight, but okay. <laughs> I, it, it's all metaphoric. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all and, yes. we're, and we're a church of abundance, so we're going to yes. go with it. It's all metacaloric. How about that? So um, I know we should have ended this two minutes. But anyway, I, so, I appreciate you, my friend. I very much enjoy this. And um, and I ask that God bless you and watch over your family, plus your church family and all those whom you love. Oh, and actually, um, uh, before we forget, um, just take I want you to just take literally one minute to talk about 
um, donating to the food pantry in Hawaii. Yeah, I want to invite you all to join the Marshall family in um, donating money to MauiFoodBank.org. MauiFoodBank.org. Just type that in. Make sure you type in .org. It'll be, you will be brought to uh, the food bank that um, supplies Maui. Um, my wife and I were there uh, in the year 2000. Um, we, at the time, milk was $6 a gallon at Costco. There's a Costco right next to the airport uh, where you fly in in Maui. Uh, food is super expensive, um, and it just got a whole bunch more expensive. There are uh, families there who are in desperate need, and the Maui Food Bank um, can use your money faster than you shipping any sort of food to them. They know exactly what they need and uh, and where to get it from. And so um, I implore you for uh, for helping our brothers and sisters uh, that they are uh, quite literally looking at crumbs right now. And so if you exactly. can contribute um, even small amounts of a dollar to two dollars, everything counts and helps. So uh, please reach out with love. Remember them in your prayers and be praying for them in their grief. Um, that they are pulling in people from other food banks, from other islands, because they don't have the same grief as those on Maui that they have. And so the Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with all those who grieve and to lift them and so that they can run and not grow weary and that they may soar like eagles. So contribute and pray. And we will have uh, the link for that in the description below in the video. So it's been wonderful having you, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. I Thank look you. forward to seeing you. God bless. God bless.